1: yesterday and today. 1980, Episode 6, All in the Studio. In this episode, we will cover the month of September. September 1980, the Double Fantasy recording sessions enter their final weeks.
2: the guitar in my ears one of my ears anyway Arthur this is early Motown Beatles circa 64 ballad (laughs) that's how that's how I think of it in my head anyway okay hello hello can we hear something around here ah thank you Okay, guys, let's lay down and sing to your mother or your sister or anybody that's of the female race, because that's who you're playing to. Okay, here we go. We're rolling. Four. Two, three, Four. And
3: woman, hold me close to your heart. However distant, don't keep us apart. After all, it is written in the stars.
2: Should we do it then? I'm just mad. Woman. Hmm. God help us. (laughs) Okay. How are the headphones? Beautiful. If you can be very clever, even though you have a cold, if you get the lyrics, you might be able to pull out the words when he goes My life is in your hands and it is written in the stars. But just take the words out that are wrong and then bring the stars and things like that in so as I go exactly the same breathing.
3: Tell you again and again and again I love you Yeah, yeah now and forever I love you Yeah, yeah Now
2: and forever Okay, I'm going to let it roll because I'm keeping the- I, keep- mm, I just thought we should have started going Turn it into girl <laughs> I could hear that Coming up to you know, let two of them go by and then you where okay. okay. you can sing along
3: with Okay. If you like. I'll start br- Yeah, yeah. Now and forever I love you. Yeah, yeah. Now and forever I love you, yeah, yeah, now and forever. I love you, yeah, yeah, now and forever.
2: An ex beetle, you (laughs) fing. Actually, I'm supposed to be Smokey Robinson at the moment, my dear, because the Beatles always were supposing they were Smokey Robinson.
1: While John and Yoko are in the home stretch of the Double Fantasy sessions, Paul McCartney can be found recording some demos at Rude, his home studio. September 4th at the Cherokee Studios in Los Angeles, recording resumes on Ringo Starr's LP Can't Fight Lightning.
4: Stop and take the time to smell the roses.
5: Stop
4: and take the time to fill your And take the time, take the time to read the label Stop, you must remember Take the time to stop that See, take the time to smell, have a good time in life, don't let everything pass you by. You're only here once, and I've been here longer than most of you. So stop and take the time to buy this album so I can plant roses and smell them all day long.
1: Back at the Hit Factory on Monday, September the 8th, John and Yoko begin their final sessions with a visit
2: from their son Sean. Oh, hello, Sean. I can see you. Hello. I'll come in and say hello in a minute. Isn't it a funny place? Like a spaceship, isn't it? Did he see a picture? Okay, good, good. We never have to shut up for that. That's always spouting off. Oh, okay. <laughs> Au revoir, my dears. I'll see you later or tonight or tomorrow or whatever. Really Another beer play. for me, too, please, while I'm working. <laughs> Darling, boy. Good night, Sean, wherever you are. Fill in your own child's name. <laughs> Un, deux, trois, quatre. Un, deux, trois, quatre. On les mons, les, chans, les En siphons, en siphons A lot I've got ants in my pants Moonlight on the water Got on the knee together i like more backbeat from Andy Gods are in the heavens The oracle has spoken Cast a magic spell Let
4: it begin
3: Showed
2: those murderers how to do it
3: Clean up time. You're all, you can
2: go, Slick Oh, sir, I forgot, I was thinking about Slick You see, you've got all them holes You can have all those holes, Slick They're all yours But listen to what I'm saying you see? So we don't do, uh, we're not going to do, um, the guys we did yesterday, right? Moonlight's on the water, and then gods are in the heavens, so you hear the words. You can fill all those holes you want. Yeah, what I'm doing, because I'm thinking about the piano more, is leaving every other line out. But you you know the space is the same anyway. It's ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba, ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba, ba 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 Should we go from that spot to the last half of the, uh... My God, the bass player's vanished. One, two, three, four...
3: around the circle The
6: gods are in heaven The oracle is spoken
2: got the rhythm. Okay. One, two, one, two, three, four. Woke up this morning.
1: On September 9th, Lennon and Ono agreed to various interviews with Newsweek and Playboy magazines, publicizing the couple's reemergence. You
2: know, like Jack said in a joking way that God came to the session. Or whatever <laughs> whatever <laughs> <laughs> oh, did, yeah. I, I use God in quotes, whatever yeah. he she it is. Right. Yeah. It came to the session and said, Yes, this is alright. On
1: Saturday, September thirteenth. Elton John gives a free concert on the Great Lawn in New York City's Central Park. With John and Yoko recording in New York, a rumor circulated that the couple may join Elton on stage. Well, good morning. It's Dan O. from Central Park on WNEW-FM in New York. We already
2: have somewhere between 2,000 and 3,000 people gathered on the Great Lawn for some rock and roll music with Elton John for free. There were some folks They were here two days ago at 10 o'clock in the morning, roping off areas just to be sure they had a great seat for this show. It's pretty incredible. We'll try and move about and talk with them a little bit later on as the reports continue from Central Park. It is a bit overcast at the moment, but it looks like the kind of stuff the sun is going to burn away and we're going to have a beautiful day. The weatherman has promised us great weather, so come on by to Central Park. We're going to be having a great rock and roll day with Elton John live for free.
1: I attended the concert with my friends Beth,
2: Joe, and Greg. Right now
1: To hear from the best morning man in New York City, Dave Herman. Dave, what's happening?
3: Hi, Pete. It is, uh, it is such a beautiful day in the park. We couldn't have asked for better weather. And I was just up on stage making a few announcements while the news was on. And uh, it occurred to me that a lot of people who are listening and thinking, gee, I'd love to go down there, but it's probably such madness. Uh, <laughs> Actually, it isn't. There is an enormous crowd here, but we're in Central Park, one of the largest parks in the world, and there's lots of room, and it's very, very pleasant, and I would uh, advise anybody who's listening who was uh, thinking, well, maybe it's just going to be too
2: crazy to get down there.
3: Come on down.
2: Scott Vinnie on WNEW FM, and we are in Central Park, New York, and would you believe this? There are over 400,000 people down there and they all came to see and John, it's about to happen.
4: friend of mine, who I haven't seen for a long time, but uh, this is a very beautiful song, you all know it. He only lives just over the road, and uh, he hasn't made a record for ages, but he's doing one at the moment. It's easy if you try
1: the UK on September 15th, Parlophone Records released the 12-inch single Temporary Secretary by Paul McCartney.
7: You get a thing and you think, that sounds nice, and you mix it, and you think it's it's bare, it's very sort of simple, but I like it. I discovered what I don't like about synthesizers, which is, you know, they can often be very uh, cold and thin. They don't sound like real instruments sometimes. Can you find for me Someone strong and sweet Fitting on my knee She can keep her job If she gets it wrong Ah, but Mr. Mox I won't need her long All I need is help For a little while We can take vacation And learn to smile And a temporary secretary Is what I need For to do the job I need a I don't need a true romance so she can be a diplomat But I don't need a girl like that She can be a neurosurgeon If she's doing nothing urgent What I need's a temporary temporary secretary of everything to stay on the right track she can be a belly dancer i don't need a true romancer she can be a diplomat but i don't need a girl like that she can be a neurosurgeon if she's doing nothing urgent what i need's a temporary temporary secretary
1: turns down a request from the Alfred Marks Employment Bureau to use the song for advertising purposes. The single failed to chart, mainly due to its limited copy run of 25,000. McCartney loosely based the song after all the temporary secretaries he hired after leaving Apple, from their point of view. On September 16th at the Hit Factory in New York, John sat down with Newsweek magazine's reporter Barbara Groustarke for an in-depth interview. She, of course, asked Lennon about a possible Beatles reunion.
2: It could never be. Anybody that thinks that if John and Paul got together with George and Ringo, the Beatles would exist out of their skulls. Well, that would. The only reason
0: for George and Paul to get together at all would be that in the past 10 years, some, so much has happened in your own music that it would be interesting to see
5: what happened It would in be studio. just as interesting
2: if I went in the studio with Mick Jagger or Yoko Ono. I've chosen to go with Yoko Ono. That would be interesting. I'm not against collaborating with other people. I'm not looking to play all the instruments. You know, but I'm not looking to go back to school. And going back to the Beatles is like going back to school. Then was then. And it just, there's no reason to. The Beatles exist as they ever did on the records. So why do people keep asking for the Beatles? I don't know. The Beatles gave everything they got to give and more. And it exists on record. There's no need for the Beatles, for what people think of the Beatles, of the four guys that used to be that group that can never ever be that group again, even if they wanted to be, trying to do it again. And to say that it would be an interesting musical experiment is just intellectual
5: garbage.
1: Over the following weeks, John and Yoko were also interviewed by Playboy magazine's reporter David Sheff. Here David explains how he got to interview
8: the couple. I had been trying to get to him for a long time. My editor, you know, sort of set me off on this task. And I said, of course, you know, cocky, 24 years old. I said, um, sure, no problem. And of course, it was it was almost impossible. But I sent letters to you know, people in the music business. Um, and one day I got a phone call from somebody and he asked me when I was born and where I was born. And, you know, three or four days later, I got a call. Someone said, uh, you know, Yoko Ono wanted to meet me in New York. Uh, I got on a plane. And the next day I was uh, having coffee with John Lennon.
1: David covered everything in the interview from John's life, his music, and his love for Yoko. Here, David explained how he felt interviewing Lennon.
8: It was just too much. I mean, I was overwhelmed. And the thing that was, I guess, maybe the most surprising is how often I forgot that I was sitting across from John Lennon because he was so gracious and so easy and thoughtful. And, um, you know, we'd be talking about something. He talked about philosophy. He talked about his family. He talked about things, you know, he'd never talked about before and we'd be sitting over coffee or tea or in the car or walking and he'd say oh yes and uh he was telling me a story about you know being in Spain and he said oh yeah by the way i w- i wrote strawberry fields then i mean there were so many of those moments where i thought oh god yeah this is this is the man and john spent a lot of time energy and passion talking about the view of yoko that you know that he felt was uh, was wrong he was very very protective of her and you know on one hand he said you know, it doesn't matter what people think of her. It's what I think of her that matters. But clearly there was also something that he wanted people to understand.
2: In Two different keys. Okay, let's do it. One, two. One, two, two, three, four. want to listen to it yeah i think i do it
8: almost had my foot tapping okay guys i was sort of the lucky person on the other side of the microphone
1: david asked about fame and its effects on them
3: because you can become a stereotype of yourself you know and we that's one thing we didn't want to be
9: in a way and uh, a lot of
2: also i must add that i found myself in a position where for whatever reason, I always considered myself an artist or a musician, whatever you want to call it. And the, the so-called pain of the artist was always paid for by the freedom of the artist. Mm-hmm. But then I found that I wasn't free. And that I might as well have gone to a 9-to-5 job as carry-on the way I was carrying on. I just got myself boxed in. Mm-hmm. And there, there's two ways to go. You either go or what I could term going to Vegas... You know, mm-hmm. not sing any great hits. If you're lucky,
8: mm-hmm.
2: or going to hell. You know, going dying. Mm-hmm. Actually, literally yeah. dying.
1: Questions came up about filling his time apart from recording with baking and cooking.
2: There is a great satisfaction. I took a Polaroid photograph of my first loaf. <laughs> I, I was overjoyed when when. You know, I mean, I was that excited by it, I couldn't believe it. It was like an album coming out of the oven, and the instant of it was great. And every day I was cooking lunch for the staff. Drivers, office boys, anybody who was working was, come on up, you know, I love it.
1: Lennon was also candid about people saying Yoko had a spell on him.
2: Nobody ever said anything about what Paul having a spell over me. When I was with him for a long time, or me having a spell over Paul... They didn't think that was abnormal, two guys together, or four guys together, in those days. Why didn't anybody ever say, how come those guys don't split up? I mean, what's going on backstage? I mean, what is that, you know, Paul and John business? Mm -hmm.
1: The conversation then shifted to music.
8: One of the sort of disconcerting themes was, um, you know, we're sitting on the floor of Yoko's bathroom on this marble floor floor. It's echoey, you know, I've got these little tiny tape recorders kind of clicking along, and I'm, you know, we have this stack of records, all the Beatles records, all of John's solo records, and we're going through song by song. At that particular session, we went on, I think, for almost three hours, and half of the songs, that songs of my life, he would dismiss. You know, oh God, we knocked that off in you know, t- t- 10 minutes, or that one was never recorded right. And then, you know, on the other hand, there was some stuff that he was really proud of, and that was pretty exciting to hear about, too. She loves you.
2: Well, uh, she loves you. Was written somewhere on the way to Newcastle, and finally, I think it was Newcastle. And finally, it was written together, and I I don't know how. I remember uh, was Paul's uh, idea to, uh, or was that from me to you? Where instead of singing about I love you, that we'd have a third party passing a message on to somebody else. Uh And that kind of uh, little details is apparent in his work now, right? You know, and is apparent in the Beatles and now where he will write a story. And no? I'm more inclined to just write about myself. Was that the first one with the, kind of the screams stuck in it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So that the first, yeah, yeah? Yeah, the the woo was taken from the Isley Brothers. Oh. Twist and shout. Yeah. In, which we stuck in everything from me to you. She loves you. They all had that.
1: I want to hold your hand.
2: The chord that made the song, which is I want to hold your hand. That was the whole bit. We were downstairs in the cellar where and I was on a piano, and Paul was on a harmonium, or vice versa. And we were both playing at the same time, and we had, oh, you got that something.
4: I think you'll understand. Can I say that
5: something? I wanna hold your hand. I wanna
2: hold your hand. I wanna hold your hand. And then he, he hit that beat seven chord. Just as we were both playing chords, and I chance "That's it." Eleanor Rigby. Part of it we worked on together, the lyrics too. If you want to get into that mm-hmm. song, because the, he had the first lines about um, Eleanor Rigby picks up the rice from the church when there's nobody there, and we worked in a room together on it somewhere to finish off a verse and a bit, and then the rest of it was finished off in the studio with me sitting at the table. Would he? Would he envision the theme? This is about loneliness and. Oh, he had the whole thing about. Uh, Eleanor Rigby sits in the right of the church with the readiness bin. What, what, what's the name? It was in a dream. I don't know if he had lived in a dream. He only, he only had the first verse, he didn't have the middle eight. Oh, look at all the lonely people. That bit, that bit, which uh-huh. was sort of. And they they settled on that. He and George Harrison were settling on that as I left the room. And I turned around and said, That's it! All the lowly people, but do they Please, please me was my attempt at writing a Roy Orbison song. Would you believe it? I wrote it in the the other bedroom in my house at Menlove Avenue in Walton, which the, with my auntie's place, the suburbs. I remember the day and then the pink Ida down on the bed, and I'd heard Roy Orbison doing only the lonely or something. And I was trying to please me, that's where that came from. And also I was always intrigued by the words of Please lend your little ears to my please, Bing Crosby song.
4: Oh please, lend your little ears to my please Lend a ray of cheer to my
3: please Tell me that you love me too
2: I was always intrigued by the, the double use of the word please so it was a combination of Bing Crosby and Roy Alderson. Come
5: on come the
1: life
2: He had that one little lick floating around in his head, he he couldn't use it for anything. He stuck it on, now instead of going on and developing that lick into the middle eight, which we would normally do, we got into how about putting a whole different song, which he already had that had nothing to do with Day in the Life, which is all about being on the top of the bus in a barber chair, and putting those two feet, which is a precursor to Abbey Road style later on.
3: I just had to look Having read the
8: As it, as it was to the rest of the
2: world. Oh, yeah, it was important to me because I thought it was a damn good piece of work, that's all. Yeah, yeah.
1: And then John talked about listening to the Beatles.
2: Well, some DJ said last night they played some Beatles stuff on the radio. I just was going across the dial and then suddenly I heard something or other. Uh, green Onion, uh, Glass Onion. <laughs> See, I don't even know my own songs so I listened to it because it was a rare track they don't usually play it. they usually play the same ten when they say there's going to be a Beatle weekend you know right. it's the same ten Hard Day's Night, Help Yesterday, Something Let It Be you know there's, there's all that wealth of material but we only ever hear ten songs mm-hmm. and he said I want to thank John, Paul, George and Ringo for not getting back together again and spoiling the good thing <laughs> so I thought that was the sign of the time people, you know, that people are catching on now. time will tell where the real magic lies I'm only 40 now when this tape comes out. Paul's 38. Elton John, Bob Dylan, we're all still young people relatively. And the game isn't over yet. As as Everybody's he... talking in terms of the last record or the last no, Beatle concert, the last... There's another God, goddess willing 40 years of productivity.
8: We were talking politics. We talked a lot about politics. And we talked about the peace movement. You know, he was just, uh, you know, really reflecting back on the 60s peace movement and about what he felt was, you know, done right and what, was felt, what he felt was done wrong. And then he sort of went off on this thing and started talking about, you know, sort of where does this desire for peace come from? And he talked about his youth and he talked about sort of the violence that he grew up with and how he had to struggle to become sort of who he, who he was. Uh, and then he reflected on, you know, other people who devoted their lives to peace.
2: Gandhi and Martin Luther King, great examples of fantastic yeah. non-violence. Who died violently? I can't never work that out. Yeah. You know, no, I'm, we're pacifists, but I'm not sure. It's all that. Yeah. But what does it mean when you, when you're such a pacifist that you, you get shot? I can never understand that.
1: The double fantasy sessions near completion. On September 20th, recording engineer turned record company owner David Geffen signed a recording contract with Yoko and John.
2: Which of you or was it? Both of you first got in contact with David Geffen, presuming that you made the contact. Oh, well, yes, he made I the did. contact. Oh well, he? yes, he did first. She did the deal. She I, did the deal. I
9: just called him back, and we decided to meet. So he came to my office, and I was checking him, you know.
2: So along came Mr. Geffen, and you made the decision to record the album Double Fantasy. Actually, we recorded the album before we talked to Geffen. Right, exactly. We decided to make it first and then answer all the letters and the inquiries that came. We eliminated the ones that said, can we hear it first? Okay, you can go to hell. Also, he wasn't a big company, so he weren't dealing with this anonymous gray suit with the president changing every two days. I mean, there was more presidents of Capitol and EMI. <laughs> they were always waiting for the Beatles to die. They Mm -hmm. died first every time, you know. (laughs) They always treated each record as the last record. In the stage (laughs) of negotiation, did the old fear come back from the old days, that you were having to take a step which involved somebody else? Yeah, I was terrified. I was saying, can't we put it out without putting it out, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't we do something else? Do I have to put my name on the paper? For the last five years, the first time I didn't owe somebody songs or records for the last... 15 or 20 years since 1962 I was signed up to somebody or other and thankful to be in 1962. But what you sign when you're 21 and it goes on for 20 years and they own your life and soul and you can never get out of it. So I like the five years when all contracts were free. I was free of any contractual obligation when she finally says, well, you know, you're going to have to sign something to say that they have the right to put the record out. I was saying, are you sure? Are you sure? Why don't you sign it? You know, you put your (laughs) name on it. I don't want to put my name on it. But we made arrangements which didn't make me feel paranoid because I don't want to owe people nothing. The point of being a musician or an artist to me was the freedom.
1: Meanwhile, over in the UK on September 23rd, George Harrison also completed recordings for his new album titled Somewhere in England. but Having delivered the completed album to Warner Brothers today, the distributor of Harrison's Dark Horse record label, Warner's record executive Moe Austin raised concern over the pop single ability of the songs. He went on to say that George should consider replacing four of the tracks with some up-tempo numbers. Warner Brothers also rejected the album's cover art, which showed a black and white photo of George's head superimposed over a map of England. As George writes in his book, I, Me, Mine, The recession went through the record business and everybody became fearful of what to put out in case it turned out not to be compatible with what the sponsors of some radio program wanted. I got really fed up with it all. I've been in the business for 20 odd years and I didn't want to have someone tell me, this song is nice, it's artistic, but we can't get it played on the radio. So I wrote some tunes about it and Blood from a Clone was one of them. Granted. I'm not the greatest person for doing promotion, but, nevertheless, when you spend time making a record, you expect it to get on the radio in some form. The title Blood from a Clone refers to the way they wanted everybody to sound the same. Apparently, radio stations were doing these polls in the street to find out what constituted a hit single. They decided a hit single was a song of love, gained or lost, between 14 to 20-year-olds. I thought, shit, what chance does that give me? I wrote this song just to shed some of those frustrations. John celebrates his 40th birthday. Paul continues rehearsals with Wings. John and Yoko release a new album.
2: This album is part one of at least two. That's the show. Next on Yesterday and Today.
0: For more information or to contact the show, visit yesterdayandtodaypodcast.wordpress.com or email at yesterdayandtodaypodcast at gmail.com. Also, visit at Yesterday Pod on Twitter and search Yesterday and Today Podcast on Facebook. See you next time. and we're here to tell you about some cool merchandise you can pick up for the shows. As we mentioned in each episode, we do not in any way profit from these shows whatsoever. But to break even on some expenses, we have put up some cool merch that you can pick up to help support the show. Yes, some fun apparel, things you can put on yourself. Are we going to be selling Mark's and Spence underwear? <laughs> Don't worry, we will. <laughs> <laughs> you can head to our social media pages. That's facebook.com slash yesterdayandtodaypodcast or facebook.com com slash third men or you could head to society six dot com slash Kaminsky family podcast that's society the number six dot com slash K A M I N S K I family